Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the What's Up webcast. We do this every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. We check out everything from what's up in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks on imaging and observing. And then, of course, at the end of the month, we have a special guest on to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy. Well, it's June. I don't know how we got to June. I don't know when that happened, but it's June. So we're halfway through the year already. Holy crap. Uh, June is my favorite month because it's the month of the Grand Canyon Star Party, which is my favorite event. It also means it's the pinnacle time of Milky Way season. So we're about to dive into that. Um, there's some cool stuff up right now. But before I go too far into this... Um, episode uh if you like what you see here at the what's up webcast please go ahead and subscribe maybe leave a like on the video it lets us know we're doing a good job uh and to keep this whole thing going um if you have ideas for a future what's up webcast episode please email us at info at skywatchusa.com and title it what's up and give us your idea um if you have sent an idea in before and you haven't seen your episode come up yet uh we do schedule these by the quarter so it might take some time for that episode to come up. So just a little FYI, so you know. Um, if you want to stay up to date with what's going on here at Skywatcher, go to our website at skywatcherusa.com. Up at the top, you can hit the uh, search and discover and subscribe and save button. If you don't know where that is, right there. Um, but that is the place you can sign up for our email blast. It lets you know what's going on on the webcast weekly. Gives you the links, uh, new product launches, all that kind of fun stuff. You can go over to our website and take a look um, at that and all the fun stuff over there. Um, also, if you need some cool swag to go along with your uh, Skywatcher equipment or you just want something fun, you can head over to skywatcher.threadless.com. Check out all the cool swag that we've got up there and find something that matches up again uh, for any of your Skywatcher hardware or if you just want something fun. Um, there's all kinds of cool things over there. There's shirts, there's shoes, there's leggings. Um, there's way too many things. So I really need to peruse through here, but they're always updating it. Um, and big thanks to our marketing team for always coming up with cool new designs and keeping that up to date. So ta-da! All right, so let's get started with what's up in the sky for the month, because it's already the third day of the month. Where is it gone? Um, so let's start off with the moon, the brightest thing in the nighttime sky. Uh, of course, the new moon for the month is towards the end of the month. That's on the 28th. So your dark sky weekend is actually going to be the 25th and the 26th. Um, however, this weekend, we have a thin crescent moon still hanging up in the sky right now. So if you are out hunting for the Milky Way and you're getting into the nightscape stuff, um, this weekend is still very viable to do that because by the time the Milky Way really becomes present in the sky, the moon will be low and setting in the west. Um, so while it is not the complete darkest night uh, or the darkest weekend of the month, um, it is still very good, especially for those early morning targets and any of those of you who are going out to capture the Milky Way or any of those fun summer targets that are actually rising um, later in the evening. Uh, but the dark, the full dark weekend of the month, if you're looking to plan an outing, uh, June 25th and 26th. If you happen to be in Arizona, come by the Grand Canyon. We'll show you a good time at the Grand Canyon Star Party. It's open to the public. You just have to pay to get into the park, but it is free to attend. Um, that is on both the North Rim at the North Rim Visitor Center and the South Rim 
uh, visitor center uh, coming up later in the month. I think it's the 18th through the 25th. Um, but a great time. I'll have my 28 inch dob up there as well as another 28 will be up there and a bunch of other telescopes. But if you're in the area, stop by, say hi. Um, and uh, we'll have a good time. If you're not, get out and do some observing anyway. Image something. There's plenty of cool things up in June. June's awesome because we're in that transitional time of what's going on. Now, for the full moon, the full moon is coming up June 14th um, is when that's uh, it's right around the corner. Um, and that is going to be the strawberry moon. Uh, this is the last full moon of spring before we jump over, we spring, um, into uh, summer. So it is the strawberry moon. Generally, this is the time of year that the, the trees that bear fruit uh, it can be picked this time of year, particularly a lot of the berries, uh, strawberries being one of them. And that is where the full moon gets its name, or the strawberry moon for the month of June. So that is, uh, that's the moon there. So go out, take a look at the strawberry moon on June 14th. Planets. Um, if you're an early morning riser, it is planet season. If you're not, you're wait until after midnight before plants, because there ain't nothing up right now uh, in the evening sky. We'll pull up um, some star charts right here. Uh, this is Stellarium. Stellarium is a free software that you can get online. It's a awesome planetarium software. Um, and it really is quite impressive for what you get for free. You can actually control telescopes with it too. Please don't ask us how to do it because I don't have the workflow for it, but there are people out there doing it. Um, but it's a great software um, if you're looking for something cool to mess around with or just kind of maybe plan your outing. Um, so right now we're talking about planets, planets right along the meridian. The meridian is the man-made, made-up line in the sky that the planets and all that stuff rides along and I don't know if I can turn that on right now so don't ask me how forget it um, there's a way to do it but I don't know how to do it so anyway the meridians this made up line over here plants rise in the east set in the west generally towards the southern part of the sky um, but looking to the east uh, our first planet that should be coming up is Saturn uh, Saturn right there um, that's not rising currently to about 1.30, 1 o'clock in the morning um, at this point. But towards the end of the month, that should be coming more visible in the later evening hours. Um, so keep an eye out for Saturn uh, rising there in the east. Uh, let me just see. Hold on. We'll try not to have. I'm just going to bounce through some time here so no one has a seizure um while well, we're watching the sun go from day to night day to night in stellarium because that can get rather concerning for a little while um let's see let's get towards the end of the month here let's see where we are nope that's into july we don't want july yet I'm not ready to jump that far into my life um, at this point. Um, so yeah, by the end of the month, we are going to have Saturn creeping up into the sky about 10.40, little 10.30. Uh, by the end of the month, Saturn will start poking up um, in the evening hours. Yes, the ecliptic, not the meridian. I'm sorry. There's too many man-made lines in the sky. Don't go out and actually look for the lines because they're not actually there. I've done events and people are like, where are all these lines at? Where's the constellation lines? They don't exist. Don't go look for them. So 
Unless you've had a few bottles of whatever, which does happen at star parties. Um, but anyway, we won't start getting planets until later in the month, later in the evening. Uh, once we move into July, then we'll start talking a little bit more about planets. But right now, there's nothing up in the uh, convenient evening hours. So if you want to take out planets, get up in the morning and go take a look at all that. So. Now the sun, the sun, like I said, I'm going to, I need to really update these slides, but just so you guys know, um, sun is an ever changing object. I say this every month. Um, if you've got a, a, first off, you need a telescope with the correct filter on it. Please never observe the sun without the proper equipment. If you don't know what the proper equipment is, we have several episodes, um, a while back where we talked about solar filters and how they work and the types, um, and we'll get more into detail um, about that probably later this year as we kind of prepare for the upcoming eclipses. But please do not go out and observe the sun without the proper equipment. And please educate yourself before you go out and do that so you do know what you're doing. Um, but the sun has a lot of stuff going on. A couple weeks ago, it was just going crazy. Um, if you had a hydrogen alpha telescope, um, it was a real nice view. Um, right now, though, it's kind of calmed down. There's some really nice prominences up there right now. Um, if you need to know what this website is, this is the Gong, G-O-N-G, uh, website. You can just Google Gong, G-O-N-G, H-Alpha, and it should take you to the link here. Um, this is the National Solar Observatory Program, and they have telescopes all over the world that are constantly observing the sun. Um, this particular one is in hydrogen alpha, which is very helpful if you do have an H alpha uh, telescope for the sun. Um, but there is some nice prominences out there today if you've got something going on. Not a lot in the uh, surface. There's some filaments there. There are some sunspots. So if you have a telescope that has a white light filter, you can probably get out and see some of that as well. Uh, but it's ever changing. You never really know when the sun's going to kick off, especially as we're starting to inch closer and closer towards maximum. Um, there's been some very powerful flares that have gone off in the last few weeks. So do keep an eye on the sun, um, especially if you have the right equipment right now. It's a fun thing to go out and observe because it's ever changing. Um, so yeah, go out, do that, have some fun with that. Um, it's also a great thing to sketch. Um, as well if you've never done sketching I don't know a lot of people that do it anymore but I do have a handful of people it really sketching is very interesting because it really trains your eye on how to look for fine details a lot of times especially when I'm out at star parties I find people don't take an incredible amount of time to really view something they take a look and then they hop onto the next telescope or whatever it is but sometimes you need to sit down relax have a seat. It's not going anywhere. Neither are you, hopefully. Um, but actually spend some time observing an object uh, when you have the chance. Um, it's not a race um, to get as many things as you want. In the, I know sometimes we're limited when we're out at dark skies, but whatever you're doing, sometimes it's just nice to slow down and pull up a chair and just look and take it in. But really look. Like, look for little details in the craters of the moon. Look for subtle details when you're looking at the sun with the right filters. Maybe you're doing deep sky observing. Take a minute to actually look at the galaxy. Look at the cluster. What details can you see? Did you miss something? Um, 
And that's something that sketching really can help train you for because you are actually trying to document whatever it is you're trying to see there accurately. Um, so I know a fair amount of people who have done sketching who are incredible observers because they have taken the time to train their eye and train their mind on how to carefully look at something and not be in a rush. It's astronomy. The light took millions of years to get to your eye. I think you could show it some respect and give it a little bit more time, especially if you actually enjoy the hobby. So anyway, sketching is a great way to go out, train your mind, um, or just enjoy the time. So anyway, good luck with that. Take that any way you'd like. Uh, meteor showers. Uh, there's not really anything going on uh, this month. We've got some stuff lined up in July, but June doesn't really have any major meteor showers um, going on. We did have what was supposed to be like a meteor storm this past week. I went out. There were some little ones there, like little glitter pieces floating around. Uh, we had a couple good ones, but it wasn't as nearly as big as they said it was going to be. Um, but it was still fun to get out, fun to see it. So, but there's no major meteor showers this month. If you are going out to some dark skies, you'll probably catch a shooting star here or there. But um, nothing major to report at the moment in the uh, meteor shower area. Sorry. Uh, comets. Um, right now, I'm not aware of any major comets. But if you want to go learn about what comets are up, I like cometchasing.skyhound.com. This website is what I go to for everything related to comets. Um, it really gives you a nice layout of what's visible in each hemisphere. Uh, right now, we have C2017K2 pan stars. This is an evening comet, as it says. Uh, magnitude is about 9.7. It's in Ophiuchus. Um 9.7 is really within reach of most telescopes. It's not naked eye. It's a couple magnitudes below naked eye capability. Maybe some large binoculars, but a half decent telescope should be able to hit, you know, 10th magnitude without an issue. Um, even small scopes. Um, the nice thing about this website is it has finder charts. You can go ahead and click the link. It has these really nice PDFs about where that is now this comet right now is in a very dense region of stars so you might have to take your time here but it, it would kind of be an interesting comet to maybe do a time lapse because it is going through such a dense region of stars so you know check that one out that's c2017 pan stars uh, that's up in ophiuchus right now which is rising probably around midnight um but you can get a good view at that, especially in after midnight. You could probably get something pretty good. Um, but we have a wide range of other comets that are visible right now. Uh, 45P Honda is up there. I haven't seen or heard about that one's at ninth magnitude. It's in Gemini. Uh, that one's going to be a little tough. Gemini is setting very quickly in the evening in the west. So that one's going to be a very difficult one to probably catch. Um, so something to see there oh and in the chat apparently uh c 2017 k2 pan stars uh july 14th and 15th will be very close to m10 um might be a photo opportunity for anyone out there that's looking to do something cool uh thanks for letting us know joseph in the chat um so keep an eye on that comment that's the fun thing about comet chasing uh, on this website here is you can kind of figure out which 
uh, comets are relatively bright to keep an eye on. And you can normally find them in softwares like, you know, um, Sky Safari or other programs like that. And if they are getting bright and they are getting interesting, you can actually see where their path is going to take them. And sometimes, like Joseph is saying here, on the 14th and 15th, they will line up with another interesting celestial object, which really gives you kind of a cool photographic moment um, if you're ready to capture that. So uh, thanks, Joseph. So keep an eye on C2017K2 as it moves into next month. Um, see if it brightens up but that's what you should do with all these comments that's why i like occasionally checking this out like we do right now once a month we bring it up and just see what's interesting what's visible comets are weird objects because you never know which one's going to flare up and become the next big naked eye comet uh you know we all lucked out with that one in 2020 that was all naked eye visible it really put on quite a show for everyone so there's you never know when a comet's really gonna form into something you know once in a lifetime level so but the nice thing about the comet chasing.skyhound website is it gives you a list of the interesting comets to at least keep an eye on so it's a good resource to have especially if you're into comets um, but that's where i would recommend uh going man we are plowing through time right now um this episode might end a little early today uh just fyi but we are flying through i always say that and then we go right up to the time um deep sky targets now june is a very interesting time for deep sky because we're in the middle of galaxy season you know we've got virgo leo ursa major um <clears throat> uh, corvus como berenices um all these big constellations that house tons and tons of galaxies so if you're into galaxies the early evening hours are amazing for that but by the time we start to get to like 11 o'clock and midnight then we start to get scorpio and cygnus and uh lyra and the beginning taste of, of hercules um we're getting the beginning of the major Milky Way season. And of course, when the Milky Way rises, a collection of new objects also starts to come up. So if you're starting to observe later in the evening, which you probably are because the nights are shorter, um, this time of year is a very awesome time to get out and start observing, especially if you're a deep sky observer or imager, because the collection of objects you have to work with is very 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 large so um some of these are repeat from last month and I'm, i don't want to dip too much into uh what we can get in july because july really has a bigger collection but um we'll get started so the first one is probably one of the easiest galaxies to see um you can see this in an average backyard you know six inch telescope uh and this is messier 104 the sombrero galaxy it's in virgo even though it's awfully close to corvus uh, let me bring up this so and let me bring this up right now ba -ba 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 -ba. what's today the third yeah i'll do like nine o'clock um so right now the big interesting uh constellations right now are going to be corvus leo virgo uh coma berenices canis phanactices and ursa major everything right here is packed full of galaxies 
um, up there because we also have the Virgo cluster. There's a big set of clusters all through this region, the Coma cluster. Uh, Leo's got clusters of galaxies. There's a lot of stuff there. And the funny part about that when you're observing galaxies is everyone's like, Aperture is so much better. It is until you put it on a galaxy cluster and the object you wanted to see is brighter, but so are all the little tiny little galaxies that are in the background. So it just adds a lot more to it. So uh, right now, M104 is right up in here. There it is. Boop. Uh, M104, the Sombrero Galaxy, is um, right on the edge of Virgo here. Um, but it's right off Corvus. So Corvus is really easy to see because it's actually like a box. Um, and you can just take the two stars right here. It almost points you right up there. Um, and M104, 28 million light years away. It's an edge-on spiral galaxy. Um, this is great if you're a beginner. The other cool thing about uh, M104 is that there's also this little cluster right here. Um, this is called the Stargate Cluster. You can almost get them in the same view, but the Stargate is a, a triangle of stars with, with an inverted triangle of stars in the middle. Um, so that is the Stargate Star Cluster, and it's very close to M104. So this is an easy backyard object. I know someone was asking what they could see in my 8-inch daub um, from their backyard. M104 would be my biggest recommendation. It is small. Uh, don't be afraid to push the magnification on this galaxy. Um, it will help get it a little bit bigger. Um, if you're an astrophotographer, it's no filters are really going to help you. You can use a light pollution filter to help knock out background stuff, but this is really just going after it. Um, but it's a great galaxy. There's not a lot of major extensions on it, so it's an easier one to process as well because you don't have all these faint extensions running out. Um, but it has some really nice detail if you can spend some time on it. But that's M104. It's an easy one to get from home, especially if you have like an 8-inch telescope. Um, but it is in the south, so make sure you've got, you know, the reach to get down there. Uh, next one, another edge-on galaxy, NGC 4565 and Coma Berenices. This one, you will need a little bit darker sky to get the best view of it. Um, it looks like a big, big version of the Sombrero. And under some seriously dark skies with a big telescope, this thing is nuts. Um, especially when you just stumble across it because it's huge. Um but uh, NGC 4565, about 43 million light years away. Moderate skies with like a six or eight inch telescope, you can get it. Um, obviously, darker skies are going to help with everything. Larger aperture is going to help with everything. Uh, this is a good one that you can also image from town. It's not very difficult if you're an imager. Um, it doesn't have a lot of, you know, faint extensions coming off of it. So it's a little bit easier to process. And it's also fairly large. So it's a little bit easier to frame up, you know, because it's got a little bit more mass to it. Um, but a great object, one of my favorite galaxies to go out and observe, but that is uh, NGC 4565, a little bit off the beaten path, um, although it's a fairly easy one to find. And um, But it is a good galaxy, especially if you've been messing with like the Messier objects. This is a really fun one to go after because now you've dipped into the NGC categories. Um, and there's all kinds of stuff to see in there. But that is NGC 4565. Um, really encourage it if you're out in a, a 
half decent sky it's probably something you could catch in at least an eight inch telescope um, but if you get to a dark sky definitely definitely try to get out and take a look at that it's definitely worth it uh at messier 101 up in ursa major um this one is right up here uh where's the dipper there it is uh m101 is right here here obey me stellarium anyway there's m101 um m101 is right above alcade and mizar almost like a 90 degree triangle if you were to make that um, about 21 million light years away. This one for as big and bright as it is, is actually fairly challenging, uh, because it's fairly diffuse, even in dark skies. It's a very impressive object in dark skies because of how big it is, but the arms are very diffuse as you move away from the core. Um, so it can be difficult to see a lot of the detail that you can get in an image. Um, even imaging it can be a real challenge again because of those arms um, I would recommend doing this from darker skies uh, because if you are trying to process this especially in uh, town where you get some heavily light pollution gradients this can be a difficult one to process because how faint and delicate some of those arms are going to be now this also has a wide range of what we call h2 regions they're star forming regions inside of a galaxy there are these little red dots that are sprinkled around there now if you do narrowband imaging or monochrome imaging uh, when you're done doing your color data actually throw the hydrogen alpha filter into the scope for a little while and get some h alpha data to apply to this because it really will help pop those h2 regions out a lot more it really makes the galaxy a little bit more interesting especially when you're talking about all these star forming knots um, inside of the galaxy arms and these are something you can actually easily see from dark skies in a moderate telescope um, obviously more aperture will always be nice when it comes to galaxies so that's a fun one to go after too um, but it is more difficult than a, you know some of the Messier objects on the list um, another one this is like a staple of this time of year M51 in Canis Venactices 31 million light years away um, this one is easy to do from town. Um, if you're just getting into astrophotography, this one's a good one. Um, it does have these really faint, uh, extensions that come off of it though. So, um, in town that might be difficult to bring out because you might have light pollution gradients in there and it gets overwhelmed really easily. But from a dark sky, it's very impressive how far out the dust lanes actually go. Um, from the backyard visually, uh, it might be a bit difficult. It, I've tried doing this one lately, um, at a handful of events, even with my 28, it can be kind of tricky, um, because what you're basically looking for in an average sky is basically the bright cores of the galaxy. It looks like a little pair of eyes, uh, looking back at you. Um, but there's not a lot to go about. In a dark sky, though, even in like a six inch telescope, I mean, the thing looks like a coin just up in the sky. Like you can run across it and it's just this, it's there. You can see it in a 50 millimeter finder scope from a dark sky. Um, so this one is really challenging uh, to get any noticeable or impressive detail out of it. If you're at home, this is visual, mind you, but in a dark sky, it's phenomenal. Um, at 
at home imaging wise it's doable but you might not get the faint extensions there this one also has those h2 star forming regions in the arms so again don't be afraid to throw the the h alpha filter into the mix there because it will probably help pop some of that detail out but that's m51 um a really nice galaxy this time of year you can do it from an average backyard it, it does sit nice and high in the sky so it's an easy one to find um, but yeah it's it can be difficult at times um, we have another tr uh, trio uh, pair that's not far from here Ursa major uh, this is m97 and m108 there's not a lot of planetary nebula there's not a lot of nebulas in the springtime and those that are up are incredibly faint um except this one this is m97 and m108 um this is up in ursa major right below the bottom of the the big dipper kind of hangs out right down here yeah there's m108 and there's there we go right about there not far from the star merrick um but that is where the the two objects sit it's kind of fun because a lot of times you can get two for one in the field of view they're close enough to where they they sit close together um and they're very different objects so m97 the planetary nebula right here sits about 26 or 2800 uh, light years from earth where the galaxy m108 is about 26 million light years away uh you can see them in dark skies um imaging the galaxy is pretty easy imaging wise um m97 you can do a lot of narrow band with it uh, which is nice that's one of the few objects for springtime that you can actually use narrow band filters or even do a hubble palette like ha03s2 uh, you could do that um, but visually m97 can be a bit of a challenge uh in darks in light polluted skies um you could probably run over it with your telescope using like a UHC or an O3 filter. One of those filters uh, is nice to have to pop this out. But if you really want to get the detail and you want to see the eyes of the nebula, you really got to get out to dark skies uh, or more aperture. That's, you know, it's a given. Um, but M108, it's got some cool detail in there as well. But yeah, sometimes you can get them both in the field of view. It's kind of a cool contrast between two different objects. Um, at that point uh, next one's m106 that's in canis majoris or i knew that was hiding in here um canis major or uh ursa major it's an ursa major um uh 25 million light years away uh, i bring this one up because it's a cool one and a lot of people overshoot it with you know m51 is up and there's a lot of these big messier uh objects that are up but m106 is very cool um easy and moderate scopes um you can you can glimpse it from the backyard uh, but obviously better skies help uh it's a good one for in town um i don't need to say dark sky dark skies help with everything another one that h alpha filters should be used on if you're going to be doing monochrome imaging on it um but it's got some really nice detail um, inside the core there. Uh, and that's something you, you might have to learn if you're doing astrophotography is how you're supposed to process the bright outer, the bright core and the fainter arms without blowing out the core. So there's some good detail that is hidden down in there. So you might have to work with that. But don't forget to do the H alpha on this one because it's got the cool arms that I like to mention. That's detail that's being whipped up by the, uh, the big black hole in the center of M106. 
um, and it makes these red arms so pretty cool detail to see but if you do have the monochrome camera make sure you do add some of the hydrogen data inside there so you can get that um, another set of objects you can do from the backyard six or eight inch telescope is easily doable m81 and m82 they're up in ursa major um, a lot of stuff in ursa major right now but they're uh, pretty easy sets to find they're hanging out right here there they are right up there kind of at the forefront of that but uh that's a really good set of objects uh to catch they're actually you know by midnight um they are making their they're getting low we're actually getting towards the end of the season for these two galaxies at the moment um but this is a cool one because there's so much going on in here um first off like i said earlier they're very easy to see from light polluted skies dark skies it just gets more impressive um you can start to see the spiral arms in m81 right here um m82 has some cool detail but most of it's more visible from um uh, in astrophotography images rather than uh visual uh larger telescopes for m82 will show detail more in the core um, but if you get out to a dark sky, you can actually see M81 looks like M81 in a picture. Um, if you've got like a 12-inch telescope, it's pretty impressive. Now, there's also a lot going on in the field because we have the integrated flux nebula, which is all this faint like cirrus uh, that floats around this area. So if you're actually shooting any object in this region, there's a chance, especially with a modern camera, with these modern sensors and low read noise you're gonna get all this really faint tendril detail um, out there in this region there's just a lot of it floating out there there's also a lot of galaxies but this is a major thing that you will get um, in this region so be careful that you don't just process this out a lot of people uh, clip the blacks in their uh, processing they they have the black set to black and you lose a lot of this faint detail a lot of times the background of an astrophotography image isn't actually black it's kind of a, a darkish brown color because um, there's dust up there there's a lot of dust there is a lot of crap up there so when you're processing be careful that you don't over process your image and make just take that slider and make it black um, because you might lose some of this really nice faint detail, especially if you took the time to go out uh, to a nice dark sky and see all of that. But uh, M81 and M82, usually you can get these from a dark sky. Um, you can get these in binoculars. Um, I know someone's asking, what can I see in binoculars? Uh, there's not a lot right now in the early evening, but later in the evening, there's a lot you can see in binoculars. But I don't want to get too far um into it i'll bring up stellarium in a little bit and we'll go over some objects uh to see there was some other things that i meant to actually put in here that people requested about like an, a great object to shoot with like a tracker um i probably will start putting that in starting next month in july i'll start adding different things like that but a cool something cool for binoculars for the month that might be something cool to add in here as well so i'll see what i can do uh here um, another one's the leo triplet leo triplet's also an easy one um it can be kind of tricky though because usually in town you can only get m65 and m66 um 
you may need to get to darker skies to get the other companion there which is 3628 a big ngc over here um m65 and m66 those are doable from moderate skies they do get better as you know you get darker um 36 28 you really need to get out to darker skies to see it so uh that's a good one to see as well now uh this is my last object and i'm gonna just kind of go through this real quick because i know there's some people asking about some other stuff to see um a new object that's coming up right now m13 the hercules star cluster uh, 25,000 light years away, about a million stars. Uh, this is doable from town. You can see this in binoculars. So if you're looking for a challenge, uh, 50 millimeter binoculars will show this object. It looks like a little fuzzball, um, amongst the stars up there. Um, uh, but from a dark, from, in a telescope, it looks even better. And then obviously the darker and the larger you go, the darker the skies or the larger the scope or both the more and more impressive it becomes m13 is really the crown jewel of the northern hemisphere globular clusters um it's not really to the level of omega centauri but we don't get that very much here up in the northern hemisphere you got to go down south um to see that one uh oh m13 is naked eye visible from darker skies um which is kind of cool to see being that's twenty five thousand light years away um, it's an easy target to image from in town because it's a globular cluster. Um, clusters are probably the easiest thing to image from in town because they're really not affected by light pollution all that much. Um, you know, it's a star or it's stars. Um, so you can get good color out of them. Um, they're easy to process. You don't have to do a ton of long exposure time on them. Um, exposures are relatively short, but it's a fun cluster to go after because it's big and bright. It's easy to see um but yeah so um i don't know if all a lot of what we're talking about right now i know someone's asking right now if you could see it in the southern hemisphere a lot of the stuff that i put here um is in the northern hemisphere but i will see what i can do about dictating what's visible in the southern hemisphere as well because i don't know how much of this stuff is visible in the southern hemisphere because i don't observe from up down there so as much as i would like to so um uh, m13 has some really interesting stuff around it of course it's got the little galaxy down here which you can actually see there's another smaller galaxy in here as well uh, that you can glimpse in darker skies but m13 has a unique uh pattern inside of it that's called the propeller uh the propeller is this three-pronged dark section i'm gonna circle it right here I don't know if you can see it, but there's one right here, one right here, one right here. Um, three, like, arms of the propeller. Um, and it it's an interesting little detail that's in the, in the cluster. And for astrophotography-wise, it kind of gets overwhelmed in an image. But it's somewhat easy to see visually because you get more contrast out of that. But if you're, this is one of the things I was talking about earlier, where if you take the time to actually observe something you'll start to see these cool little details and i've had experienced observers up to the scope before that have just kind of jumped over these details and it's kind of a fun little thing to actually go out and see so if you are observing m13 try to see the propeller the little dark region that's inside the cluster as well that can really make for uh, an interesting thing to see there 
but that's kind of all I've got right now for June. Um, it's because we're kind of on this, you know, we're close to this. There's so many things to see right now. Um, it's hard to say what's, you know, we don't want to go too late in the night either. Um, because a lot of cool stuff is coming up at the very end of the month with moves us into July. But, um, if you are, let's see, I know someone was asking, what can, what can I do with a tracker? Um, we had someone write in with that right now around 10 o'clock. The Milky way is actually rising in the East by midnight. The Milky way is actually getting fairly high. Um, so this is what I would start to start shooting with a tracker. And this is with the general camera and everything. You know, you got Scorpio and Sagittarius and the big core of the Milky Way is starting to rise nice and high. Um, this is really what everyone's going to be after right now with a star tracker. Um, so the Milky Way right now, at least in the northern hemisphere, it's Milky Way season um, right now. And you are primed and ready to go. Uh, to see this and you have to wait till later in the month or about midnight to start catching the milky way in a good position but that's really what you're going to be aiming for for a tracker now if you're looking for objects to see in binoculars uh, m13 was a good one um, another thing right here is m8 the lagoon nebula which we'll probably talk about later uh, next month um, that would be a good one to see um, from dark skies m24 which is the Sagittarius star cloud, which is a very impressive um, object to see, but you really need those wide field optics like binoculars to catch it. Um, so M24 would be good. In the early evening, there's not a terrible amount of object. There's not a large collection of objects to actually see because they're all galaxies. You could see M81 and M82 with a decent pair of binoculars with probably 50 millimeter. Um, but a really cool object to actually see later in the evening is this right here. This is the coat hanger uh, right here. Um, it's a little collection of stars. We call it an asterism. Um, an asterism is, a, you know, like a picture of stars. Not as big as a constellation, uh, but a small collection, a small cluster of stars, even, they, even though they might not have to be... Um, related to one another at all they form in some kind of image that's relatable to us and we call them asterisms um so right off of uh alberio right here which is the head of cygnus uh halfway between aquila um is the coat hanger the coat hanger is a fairly wide field object it takes a big field of view to see it so binoculars would be a good way to see the coat hanger and it's really kind of neat because it looks like a coat hanger um and people get a kick out of that because it's something that's relatable and they can see. So a small pair of binoculars will be able to show the coat hanger. If you are out in a dark sky site, it's easy to see, but it really is more available for those wide field optics. Um, so binoculars, that is a great thing to see. And of course, the Milky Way itself and binoculars is just fantastic to cruise through. There's a lot of stuff to see. Um, so, but yeah, go out explore some stuff see what you can get out there um i know a lot of friends are starting to get out taking some awesome images of the milky way um if you do get stuff with your star trackers star adventure uh in particular you know we'd love to see them because that is what this is about for the most part
Um, but yeah, that is, uh, that's pretty much what we've got. There's a lot of stuff to see this time of year. Like I said, um, I just don't want to jump too far ahead either on things to see, but it is Milky Way season. So grab those cameras, grab those star trackers and tripods, get out there and start capturing some awesome Milky Way shots and let us know what you can see. Uh, if you like what you see here at the what's up webcast, please email us, um, uh, let us know, uh, hit subscribe. If you like what you see, we are trying to get to 10,000 subscribers right now. We are, we just passed 6,000. Thank you all for who have been here. Um, tell your friends, tell your family, but do hit the subscribe button. It lets us know we're doing a good job. Um, and if you have an idea for a what's up webcast episode, please email us at info at skywatcherusa.com and title it what's up. Um, please have a good weekend. I know we, we finished this up a lot earlier than I was uh, planning on. Let me make sure I didn't miss anything. Uh, what galaxy can I see in an eight inch job? Um, kind of covered that um m104 m81 m82 um those three right there are really easy to do um you could try m51 the whirlpool it says you're in Bortle five so you might be able to get the whirlpool a little bit better but uh try those so again m104 um m81 m82 and m51 those are four galaxies i would recommend going after uh, right now uh, with an eight inch daub from Bortle five skies. Uh, what can I see in binoculars? Uh, try M81, M82. Those are good galaxies for binoculars. Uh, if you're in dark skies, just look at the Milky Way. Um, that's amazing too. Um, the coat hanger a little later in the night, look after the coat hanger. It's up near uh, Cygnus. That's a good one. Uh, these are things I will consider adding to the monthly thing like maybe i'll do a binocular object of a of the month and we'll do a star tracker object of the month i will try to add those sections those are really good uh suggestions so we will try to put that in there as well um, another question love my star adventure 2i you're welcome uh, do you have any recommendations for illuminating the polar scope i lost some of the pieces that came with the illuminated accessory we sell illuminators. Um, you can call our support uh, team. We do have illuminators in stock if you need replacement illuminators. Other people have put glow tape in there. There's a cool video online um, on YouTube that shows you how to make a illuminated uh, little insert uh, with glow tape. So there's a couple different options, uh, but if you like our illuminator, um, we have them. If you don't want to use the illuminator, there are some other cool uh, modifications for lack of a better term that you can go on and find on YouTube as well. Uh, but hopefully that helps, but, uh, thank you all for the suggestions of what can I do with a tracker and what can I see in binoculars? I will definitely put those in, uh, as little sections, um, here. And, uh, other than that, uh, thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Uh, stay safe and, uh, clear skies. Everyone we will talk to you next week. Take care. Bye.